I'm chatting with Mihir Jakut. He's Portfolio Manager at Old Mutual. Mihir, appreciate the time today. Screening of shares. We're talking here around faith-based sort of Sharia-compliant investing. Screening of shares with some hard and soft exclusions is a large part of that investment process. Tell us what that process is and, and, and about some of those exclusions. Thanks, Simon. Yes, this is the starting point to get to a universe as a Sharia-compliant uh, portfolio manager and then once we get this universe that is when we apply our investment philosophy on top of that but i would rephrase the hard and soft Mm -hmm. those words rather than to say qualitative and quantitative because how how it actually works is that there's a body of scholars on our sharia board together with a compliance department that then screens the entire universe now i'm talking local and global Mm -hmm. so local on the je global the s and p And the qualitative factors relates to the core activities of the business. For example, Vodacom is a telecommunications business at its core, while AB InBev, previously SAB, is a business which is classified as consumer staples. However, at its core, it sells alcohol, which is non-permissible in Islam. So another sector that is excluded from our universe is, is the banking sector as charging and receiving interest is also not permissible. So that's the first screen. And then there's the, the quantitative screen, which is actually mathematical calculations from the annual financial statements. These are ratio, ratio-based calculations. So an example of a ratio is non-permissible income divided by revenue cannot be more than 5%. Oh, so, okay. so non-permissible income is that a, a business is fine at its core, but... It's got an interest-based investment on the balance sheet, and that is that non-permissible income over the revenue that it generates, right? Another example of a ratio is the total debt ratio, Mm -hmm. which is total debt divided by the market cap or total assets. That cannot be more than 30%. right? And there are obviously reasons for that, but that's how the second screen on the quantitative side uh, works. And then we end up with the universe, then we apply our investment philosophy on top of that. Gotcha. And an example, and I'm thinking, let's take a hotel group, for example. The majority of their income is going to come from room nights, but they've probably got a bar, they're selling some alcohol. But if those alcohol sales are just a percentage or two of revenue, that's fine. Yes. And we've got a separate process outside of this, which is called a non-permissible income calculation, where we actually strip that out on a daily basis so that our investors get what we call a purified investment when they go in and when they exit the investment. If you're removing interest-bearing assets, I mean, there's obviously a a fair bunch excluded, but interest-bearing in particular, because we've seen the banking sector over the last couple of years, uh, particularly with the interest rate environment. I mean, how has this sort of impacted performance in having that exclusion? Yes, that's an excellent question. I think it's important to understand how banks make money Mm -hmm. um, through what we call a net interest margin, which is just simply borrow lower and and, and lending out higher. However, I think that other factors uh, play a role, like like loan demand and other economic conditions. But what I'm trying to get at here is that, yes, in a rising rate cycle, banks tend to do well until consumers and businesses feel the pinch. Yeah. Right? So obviously there's that positive uptick until a certain point. But moreover to your question, I think when rates are higher, we can invest in uh, Islamic fixed income instruments, which is called sukuk, 
I'm on the local side. Mm -hmm. And then but predominantly when a sector is excluded, other sectors such as healthcare, which is uncorrelated to interest rates, utilities as, as well as energy. So there is space to move and have that decision to just move around within the sectors even if a sector like financials is excluded. I take your point. These are markets. There's always somewhere to be making uh, money. There's an argument out there that says that faith-based investing is, in a sense, it's inherently ESG, environmental, social, and and governance. I mean, are there differences or or fairly significant crossovers in terms of, of sort of using a broader societal objective? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think on the ESG side, there's a big focus on fossil fuels, you know, mm-hmm. and controversy monitoring. But they, on the ESG side, also exclude alcohol, adult entertainment, gambling, tobacco, and weapons. Now, that falls squarely as a crossover within a faith-based or Sharia-compliant fund, right? So I think that the differences there would probably, of course, be the, uh, the financial sector, entertainment, as you mentioned, but also from the quantitative rules, the highly, or not highly, that's not the correct word, I'd say, excessively leveraged companies on the Sharia side, which ends up at a starting point with with quite a quality-based universe. So yeah, so I mean, those crossovers are alcohol, adult entertainment, gambling, tobacco and weapons, and then there's some nuances on either side. But you would always expect a faith-based or Sharia-compliant portfolio to be highly ESG cognizant as well. Got you on that. I want to touch back to to, to returns because investors invest for return. That that's at the at the heart of it. And let's talk around performance of faith based. You've got the Old Mutual Global Islamic Equity Fund. I mean, how are returns doing? I mean, is it a a lot of people will say as soon as I sort of reduce my my market, I'm I'm going to suffer in returns. Now you've pointed out a moment ago in terms of banking, there are others that can do perfectly well. Do the returns stack up? Absolutely, they do. Actually, let's if we look at the 2023 year, mm-hmm. um, the MSCI World, which is a developed market index, did about 24.4, 24.5%. And then um, the MSCI ACRI, which is the all-country world index, did 22.8, so slightly lower. Our portfolio delivered north of 31. <laughs> we saw a, a similar performance numbers on the local side, but because you specifically honed in on the global, you know, the portfolio did outperform its conventional benchmarks. So so what does that mean? It means that we can debunk the myth where people assume that actually in a, in a smaller universe where we are constrained and we cannot hold financials and other sectors, that actually we're going to do worse because we've proven that actually what this universe, and call it what you may, our hands tied behind our backs, we've delivered so that, that debunks the, um, the myth in terms of investing in, in, in faith-based or ESG. And, you know, but when I think that the narrative gets, gets skewed when we talk about ESG. I think if investors are truly long-term investors, I do believe that those better ESG companies should, should do better. And you invest in, in those type of portfolios because it's really the right thing to do rather than to have a, a, a performance narrative over the short term. But what this does do is that it gives conventional multi-asset or investors the opportunity to say, hey, this guy's got a different performance signature. Mm-hmm. I've got all this conventional stuff. If I add it together, actually, that would help 
me diversify my holistic portfolio, which is really the education and the the narrative that needs to be put out there. That's a great point. This is around sort of that diversification in a portfolio. And if I've got 10 fund managers and they're all kind of chasing the same universe, I'm going to get, I mean, they're not going to be the same returns, but I'm going to, there's no sort of differential between them really. Yeah, there is. And, and you mentioned the universe. I mean, it is a smaller universe, but when we're looking global, it's still, frankly, a very large universe. I mean, you've removed a lot of equity from it, but the global market is huge. Absolutely. So to give you the exact numbers there, uh, the S&P Islamic Index is actually the largest uh, Islamic index. So, so, so at a starting point, we, we use that index and that holds about 710 shares. Mm-hmm. And we end up having to build a, a lovely portfolio uh, with about 80 stocks from a universe that where three, about 387 is allowed. So you're absolutely correct. I think it's slightly hard in the local side, but on the global yeah. side, to choose from almost 400 stocks, you can build a, a very good portfolio to meet client needs. Yeah, and, and as you say, a, a, a different portfolio, a different methodology, which can give you that, that alpha, which is ultimately what, what the investors are seeking. Let's change track a bit and, and, and look more broadly. We've got a, an action-packed year, uh, elections happening the world over, debates around soft versus hard landings in, in, in the U.S., uh, expectations that interest rates will start coming down. What sort of events and factors are, are, are you anticipating will, will impact a, a global universe of portfolio most? I think I'm going to answer this question in various parts. I think that, firstly, a lot of people want the crystal ball answer and (laughs) actually don't know. So a strategy is actually to build a shock-proof portfolio. Now, on our philosophy, we've got quality at the core, but the businesses must have the ability to grow and they must be priced correctly. So... If you look at the, the second elements of being able to grow, we need the growth to come through. And then, but also we want that valuation. So we want to buy at priced assets. And I think that's the strategy we're going for because the Fed, are they going to hike? How much? When? You know, these are the type of, of questions that we, we definitely ask our, ourselves. There hasn't been a time in history where rates have been this high this long and something didn't break so again this week the labor data came out very hot mm-hmm. farm payrolls came in at 335 versus 185 estimates now that's a, that's a blowout number but in summary with all of this data that we're looking at the u.s consumer seems to be doing just fine so with that being said and rates rate cuts coming down further down the line we could actually very well see a soft or a soft landing i think the other big thing in the market is is china yeah um i mean this week's cpi data came out almost negative one percent 0.8 and that's the weakest since uh, the global financial crisis so i don't see a quick or easy fix here to the housing market in china as well as the the monetary stimulus um, and the governments have a few few levers at their disposal, but I don't know how they they're gonna address this um, depressed consumer sentiment really. Yeah, so 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 we'll go with a a strategy of um, almost the barbell approach, where you have value and growth on either side, um, but quality at the core. Because I think over the long term, 
that'll benefit our our clients and our investors. I, I take that. I like that 100%. I mean, if we go back four years ago, you say you don't know. Four years ago, well, what have we seen since then? First pandemic in 100 years, the highest inflation rate in developed markets in, in 40 years. As you say, they're just you know, incredibly high rates for an extended duration of time. No one was predicting one of those, never mind all three of them. As long as you've got those quality businesses um, with potential for growth, that's what's going to sort of manage you through when, when the curveballs come. And they're going to come. That, that, that's perhaps the only certainty, is the uncertainty. Absolutely. I always say, if somebody else is giving you 20% positive mm-hmm. and giving you 18 the phones don't ring in the office. <laughs> I can tell you that. But if the market's down 20%, I need to make sure that I deliver at least minus 10 you know, to be better than the market on yeah. the downside. So, And I think that's what the um, equality philosophy really... Um, helps with and that's our strategy yeah it, it's not about trying to predict the future at all we will leave it there we hear you could our portfolio manager at old mutual appreciate the time